You all did notice that you heard one of the commandments straight from Moses, didn't you? I mean, how many churches can say that, right? He went by and he said, I should have brought my tablets. I thought the same thing. <laughs> uh. Randy, something's wrong when a church lets a wedding distract from missions, right? I mean, it's just, no, no. That sign will be back up, I promise you, before next week. And got a couple weeks getting ready for that. And uh, I hope you, the guy who's coming is from Bear Valley, and so he's, I know he's going to be talking about Nigeria, but we get to ask him also about how the M- Myanmar is, is going, the work that we are responsible for there too, and I'm excited about that. They had at least at one time eight of those guys who were training to preach in their own country, which is a great way to do things. And so uh, if you can, this is, I, 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 we, this is not something American churches often get excited about, missions necessarily. Valley View seems to be a little bit different than that. Uh, it seems a little more hyped about that, but missions is a big deal, and we'll be talking about that with, some, with, with him on Sunday morning, but Sunday night, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at talking about why we, we need to, to care about mission stuff, but this church has been great about that, and pray we continue to do that. When I read about this command where God says one of the big ten things is, um, you, you shall not steal, I can easily get angry about this. Stealing probably... Uh, is, is as much an anger-inducing thing as any of the Ten Commandments violations would be. I'm picturing in my head uh, maybe a 9, 10, 11-year-old kid, maybe a little younger than that even, who's told by his parents he's, he wants this really cool bike, and his parents say, you know what, if you, if you want that bike, you're going to have to earn the money and purchase it yourself. Some people are given everything, and for them to lose something doesn't seem all that significant. But here's this 8, 9, 10-year-old kid who wants this bike so bad that he gets out there and he works and he mows yards in the neighborhood and he shovels snow and he does odd jobs and he washes cars to, of anybody who's willing to pay him 5 or $10 or whatever it takes to do that. And over the course of 7, 8, 9 months, he saves enough money to actually buy this bike and he's so excited and you can imagine the thrill he has of actually walking out of that store with that bike that he himself worked to purchase. He enjoys it that first day, first nice day of spring. He gets out there on that bike and it's great. It's so freeing. He enjoys it for a couple of weeks before it turns up missing. Some punk in the neighborhood who just goes around wasting his time, tormenting people, waits till late at night and he breaks into the shed of this house and he steals that bike. This kid who's worked for months and he's earned it and he's saved it over amount of time and it, this, this brat takes five minutes to break in and walk away with something he doesn't deserve that he didn't have to work hard for and he takes away what this young man has been saving for. Can you imagine that? It's not really hard. This is not a a complicated story. What do you feel like about that? Now, I know what Valley View would do. We'd have 30 people willing to replace that bike. That's not the point, though. The point is somebody stole it with no effort of their own, 
and thwarted the entire effort of this young man. That feeling is why God said, you know what, one of the top ten that I want is I don't want anybody stealing. Now, in the New Testament, when you open up and, you start, and it starts talking about stealing it, just a few spots that it talks about it, there's an additional detail that we need to focus on that probably God had in mind all along. And here's basically the idea. When you steal, the greatest victim of your crime is you. There's so many things that you can steal. David stole a man's wife. That's what Scripture says. You can steal money. We're, af- we're aware of those. Property. Ideas. That's why we have copyright. That's why the church pays a lot of money to put the words of our songs on the screen back here. That's not free. The people who wrote those songs deserve to get some of the benefits from their work. And so as you buy these licenses that allow us to put the words up here, You're not stealing. You're protecting their ideas. You can steal a reputation of somebody. You can steal rights from somebody. And the idea is to take without much effort at all something that belongs to somebody else that you have no right to. And the other person becomes a victim. And Scripture also tells you how you become a victim. We're going to look at some of those things in a moment. But I I was at a court case not long ago for a young man, and, and they were ta- he, he had been involved in pornography, child pornography in particular, and uh, the argument was made, it's a victimless crime. It's a victimless crime. Who are you robbing or stealing or hurting when you are looking at pornography? An interesting thing, I'd never really thought about that. I, I, I think it's obviously a crime, but let me, let me tell you, every person who's on those videos people watch is a victim of that crime. They're being stolen of their, their dignity is being stolen, their innocence is being stolen. It's a crime. The first thing I, I want to point out is that when you steal, you violate God's work ethic. And I wish that we would teach this more in schools, right? God has in mind for us to be able to possess things, to acquire things. God's very big into personal property. Personal property means when I bought it, it belongs to me. It is communism's idea is when things are purchased or acquired, they belong to the community. God is not a communist God. He says, you shall not steal, which means there are ways that people earn and own things and it belongs to them. And when somebody else takes it, it's called stealing. He, he believes in personal property. This speaks against communism and socialism to the core. For those who want to argue that people who work hard and make money should then have to then turn around and give it to people who didn't work to make their money, they're going to have to argue how that's not stealing. How is that not stealing? And in fact, the assumption that stealing, assumption of stealing is that it rightly belongs to someone else who takes it wrongly, and God says, I don't want any of that. God seems to acknowledge that you do have a right to own and have things and for those things to belong to you, but God did intend that the means of acquiring things was by working hard for them taking time and earn what your way and pay them off or pay for them. We live in a time where people are trying to convince other people of their worth by just simply the fact that they exist, and that's a truth. 
But can I tell you that the greatest victim of a crime of stealing is the person who thinks he has a right to something without working for it. Because God's economy is, it runs by working and earning and deserving something. If you want to increase young people's sense of accomplishment to have self-worth and self-value, don't just hand them trophies for participation. Have them work to earn to be able to buy and let them walk out knowing they worked hard and earned this. That's where self-value comes from. And you see, this is the problem with a whole country or generation of people who just think that we need to go around telling everybody they're wonderful, they're wonderful, they're wonderful, but they don't contribute, they don't do anything, and it destroys them from within. God says... We need to contribute. We need to work. We need to extend our effort. This would all be cured if we all were raised on farms again. Unfortunately, we can't. But on the farm, you knew you had a job, and if you didn't do it, everybody suffered for it. And if they suffered for it, you got reprimanded, and the next day you did it because it needs to be done for the whole community to function. In our, in our country, it's not like that. So if you want to build up the self-esteem of people, let's give them a responsibility to do and then have them feel good about the fact that they kept the responsibility and they fulfilled their obligation and they know they matter. Stealing is wrong and here's one of the biggest things about it. It hurts you. When you get a check mailed to your house that you didn't earn, you didn't do anything for, when you could have, not that you can't, when you could have, it hurts you. It undermines the work ethic. And I need to remind you if now before you get mad, there's another point coming, okay? But I need to remind you this. Paul looks at people and he says to them in Thessalonica, right? If you don't work, you don't. And you know what? You know what drives you to get out and work? When your tummy rumbles. So it violates God's work ethic. Stealing does. Well, on the basis of what you get, I want something, but I want to take a shortcut. I don't want to have to work for it, so I'm going to steal it from somebody who did. Oh, God says, I hate that. That offends me, right? You violate God's means also of developing compassion in you, though. This is the other side of the story. Because I can hear some people objecting and saying, what about those who can't work? It's a good question. Because God does have those people in mind a lot. Listen to what Ephesians 4.28 says. I think I've got it on a screen. Let the thief no longer steal. Let him labor. Okay, got that. So that he can hoard. No. Let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to what? Share. I want to be able to make with my own hands enough money to where I take care of my stuff, but I have the pleasure and the joy of by my choice. I get to help somebody in need. I get to, I get to contribute my extra to somebody else. But you see, when you steal and you get your money unfaithfully or in a short-circuit kind of way, you're giving away something you didn't earn yourself. David one time had a chance to do this when uh, he was going to buy uh, uh, the threshing floor of Arana the Hittite. I believe that's who it was, or Arana anyway, because that's where God stopped the blight 
for the punishment for David counting the people. And God stopped, and he decided, I'm going to build this. That's where the temple was later built. But he says, I'm going to, I, want to, I want to purchase this land because that's where God stopped the plague. And so he goes up to Arana, and he says, how much for it? And he says, don't worry about it, David. i got plenty of other land. You just take it. No, no, no. How much you want for it? No, 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 no. I'm not going to, you can't give this to me. i got to buy this at a fair market price. No, David, I want to give it to you. I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. How is it compassion? How is it truly compassion? When somebody gets something dishonestly and they turn around and they give it to somebody else. It didn't cost them anything. They didn't earn that. That wasn't theirs in the first place. And so the only way you can really show compassion and God develop compassion in you is when you do something with your own hands and you give your own effort to it and you get this money and suddenly it's yours. It belongs to you. God says it. It belongs to you and you by your own volition decide I'm going to take some of this and give it to somebody in need and that's when compassion really ignites and the passion starts. But you can't do that if the money you have wasn't made by you in the first place. Work is a way, for God says, to earn rightfully what belongs to you. Don't steal from somebody else. And then, and then you can give to someone else. When you steal, thirdly, you violate the very, the very basic element of faith, and that's Matthew 6.33, and you know this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and... All these things should be added to you. You just take care of, of, of doing what God asks you to do. You do the right thing, and God will take care of all this other stuff. And the other stuff he's talking about in Matthew 6 is food and clothing and shelter. You just take care of doing righteousness. That's your focus, and God will take care of the rest. So what is it when you can't wait on God and you can't trust him so instead of waiting on God and letting him apply the rest, you step out and illegitimately take from someone else what you want rather than waiting for God. What is that? You rob yourself of a chance to see God work and meet your need at his timing. Now listen, we could go around here, and I wish I could, take a microphone and say, can you share a time in your life when you thought, I'm not sure how we're going to be able to pay this bill or do this thing. I'm not sure how we're going to survive this experience right here because we're really short of funds. And somehow, almost by magic, you were rescued by somebody being generous. Anybody have a story like that? You don't have to share it, but how many have a story like this? Do you remember those days? See, some of us who've long beyond those days were like, we don't really have a shortage anymore. Okay, great, but do you remember? It, listen, those are the memories of early. You remember when you first got married and you were eating off a cardboard table? Anybody remember this? You, see, that's the problem with youth. Is we, we, we want our parents' lifestyles as soon as we get married. You are messing yourself up of a great opportunity. When you had to go... You don't remember collecting bottles to get money, do you? So you collect bottles so you have enough money to go somewhere, you know? I can, t I can tell you times when we had a real big shortage when we first married, and somebody just happened to come by and say, you know, I thought you might need this or something. And you could say that that was, and we did. We thanked the person if they weren't anonymous. We would thank the person, but we would in our minds go, that was God right there. I think God works that way. And I bet you if you spent just five minutes tonight asking people, there would be a dozen stories you would hear. That's the wonder of being in the kingdom of God is because we know that if we just do the right thing, God will take care of the rest. I know that's true. He promises it's true. 
But when you steal, you decide, you know what, I can't wait on God. I don't think he can do it. And you rob yourself of a chance to see how he works in mysterious ways. And stealing also nurtures a selfishness rather than God's glory. Uh, the most common one I'll see about this, I, I want to put Titus 2 on the screen, I think. Teach slaves. Now, we don't have slavery, and uh, really in the first century it was nothing like the slavery we're thinking of in America. We would apply this to employee, employer. So teach employees to be subject to their employers, we'll say, in everything, to try to please them. When you're working for your employer, listen, the thing is, make them happy with your service. And when you're done with your most immediate task, look around for something else to do. Not too many people sitting there on their phones as I'm going to do the bare minimum and then I'm going to sit back here on my rear end and play on my phone. Listen, the way you should be doing this is that guy becomes like God to you. He's your immediate authority. And what you do is, you, he says, try to please them. Don't talk back to them. Do not do this, millennials. Don't do this. And don't take your phone into the interview and don't answer it if it rings. Good grief. Do we really have to teach this etiquette, right? And do not steal from them. It's interesting. He's saying all these, these slaves would, it, because, I mean, when the master was looking somewhere else or when your employer was looking somewhere else, you steal stuff. Or maybe you signed on to give a solid eight hours for this wage and you kind of you fudge it a little bit 15 minutes here or there. That's stealing is what that is. And the people most often who are afflicted with this kind of thing are the employers who can't watch you absolutely every time. And when they're not watching, you give half an effort. Guys, in God's economy, that's called stealing. And he says you should work for the Lord when you're working for your employer. You are working for him. So you try to please him, when it, not just when his eye is on you, but faithfully serving him, Right? Show they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Do you know why you need to do this? Not just because it's your reputation at stake. It's because you are a child of God and everything about you should look attractive for the God you serve. I want my employer to look at me and go, I will hire Christians anytime if they all work like this. I love that. That's the way it should be. Do not steal this way. Give your absolute best, knowing that you're working for the Lord and not just men. So there's this understanding that everything I do reflects on the God I serve. Everything I do, whether people are looking or not, and by the way, there's hardly ever a time when people aren't. You know, you're almost always on video somewhere. Make sure that if people got the video, they would be impressed with the God who motivates you to live the way you do. I'm serious about this, and I think God is serious about this too. He wants us to really make people be attracted to the faith. Stealing also undermines the community. Our entire capitalistic economy, right, is built upon personal property, personal responsibility, law and order. And when you steal, you hurt everybody. Now, I'm going to say this line, and I hope you get it. Stealing gets us all to Aiken. Anybody get that? Okay, I'll just review this story. The Battle of Jericho, we all excited about. They march around once every day, and then the seventh day, they march around, and then they go in, and they take it all for God. How much of this stuff could they keep out of Jericho? 
nothing. It all belonged to God. Okay. So they go in there and they take it all, and it's all God's. It's called the ban. It's under the ban. It's all belonging to God. And then they think, you know, it's that little old town of AI. We just took Jonesboro. Surely we can easily take Truman, right? So we're just going to send a few people to AI. We're going to take that town. And they go to AI and they get whipped and they lose 30 people. 30 men lose their lives. And God is like, Joshua, who's the guy? Joshua. Joshua's kind of like, what in the world? And he's gone, God, have you brought us out of here? And God says, hey, don't come crying to me. Get up off your, your hind end right there. And I, we're going to talk about this because somebody was unfaithful. Now, the entire nation goes into fasting and all this stuff overnight, and, 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 and then they bring all these people, and it's Achan they bring. Achan just looked at that Babylonian robe and that wedge of gold, and he just absolutely had to have it, and he took it. And who suffered for it? The entire nation did. 30 people lost their lives, totally unnecessary. His whole family got obliterated. Why? Because he stole what belonged to God. You know what happens when people, and it's amazing, when I was in Canada, I would keep up with this. I'd go to Walmart and I'd say, how much stealing did you catch? There's video. Guys, everywhere you are at Walmart, they took me back there to see the video. There is video on every stinking aisle at Walmart. When you pick your nose, somebody's watching you. That's all I'm going to tell you. And so as you go into Walmart, every time, if you go in that aisle, you think, hey, ain't nobody around. They've got cameras everywhere. And they told me, we, we had a quarter of a million dollars in the last six months. It's amazing, and they got away with it, and they don't have any, you know, that's the ones they caught, and they're wondering how much got stolen they didn't catch, right? It's just amazing, and they go back and watch some of that. But here's the thing. Guess what happens as all these people steal stuff from Walmart? The prices for everybody else go up. It hurts everybody. Entire community is hurt. Go to, used to go when the, they had the hospital in Kennett, and the, the prices there were higher than anybody else in a 50-state region. I mean, I mean, in the world, in the country, you know, that's what I'm saying. Highest price, why? Because we were also the poorest county in Missouri. And when people come in there and they abuse the ER, guess who pays for it? The next person who comes in who can pay for their services. And their services are 50 times higher than anywhere else to pay for the people who can't. All I'm saying is that when you steal and you unnecessarily rob people, I say unnecessarily, you might need to go to the ER for something. When you do this, it hurts everybody. I'm going to say a couple of names that's going to age me a little bit. Anybody remember Enron? Some of you do. I mean, how many remember Bernie Madoff? Remember him? These are people who took other people, and every time they took somebody, this corporation, where half the country, it seemed like, had a retirement fund of some kind within Ron, when it sunk, it hurt everybody. And all I'm saying is, stealing hurts more than just the person who steals. It undermines a sense of community. There's one more thing I want to think about when it comes to stealing, and it's this one verse that we often don't think about. Certainly in the New Testament, we don't. It's Malachi chapter 2. Or three. You got it on the screen? I hope I do. Okay. God is mad at the Israelites at the end of the Old Testament. This is after they've returned from captivity and they're trying to set up Israel again, all right, as God's people. And he says, I have this complaint against you. You are robbing me. God says, you're stealing from me. And we don't often think about this. 
And we often don't think because God doesn't set an amount for us like he did in the Old Testament. You've got, you've got the tithe. We don't have the tithe, and everybody celebrates by giving 1%, right? How do we rob you? Israel's saying, what do you mean we rob you? How can we steal from God? God, you're up in heaven. You have everything there is. How can we steal from you? And here's how God describes it. In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. Okay. So they're supposed to give 10%, and they kind of bring 7 God asks for 10, they bring 7. They bring 6. They think, well, you know, God won't know anyway. So we just kind of bring less than what God asks. Now, instead of God just, just blasting them away, he responds in one of the, u- the most unique ways in all of Scripture when he says, I'll tell you what, I want you to test me. Now, most of the time, you're told, don't test God. Most of the time in Scripture, it's don't you test him. Don't you test God because, man, you know, you don't want to do that. God, Jesus even answers that way, one of, the, one of the temptations. But this time God says, I'll tell you what, I'll set up a test, and I want you to try this. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, the Lord Almighty says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you're going to say, God, stop, stop, I can't take any more. I want you to try it. God's saying to them, for the next six months, try me. You bring me the full 10%, and I guarantee you that you will get it back many-fold in your life. I guarantee you that you'll be blessed so much that you don't have room for anymore. You're going to say, God, stop it. I don't have any room anymore. you just got to test me in this. Now, we are in the New Testament era, right? We're going to argue vehemently we are not under the tithe. I'm questionable about that. But since we're in the age of grace, let's give much less. Let's lower it real good to two. That's about the typical American church giver, two. Because I don't have to tithe. I can be more conservative. That's the only time when conservatives brag, really. Is I want to be conservative in that. It's the only time liberals, you know, we want to be liberal. We want to be liberal in giving and conservative in everything else. It's interesting to me, though, given how God has blessed us, I wonder sometimes, and I said to you, when you steal like this, that you hurt yourself more than anyone else, I wonder how much blessing we're missing out on because we're not risking enough when we give to God. And this is one thing I want to complain about. I'll hear people say we're giving to the church when they give in the offering plate. You are not giving to the church. Yes, the church is overseeing it, but who are you giving to? That's what he says. It's an act of worship, guys. It's an act of worship, which means this is directed to him. And so here I am, gonna, I'm going to do this, and, and, and so often I think we rip ourselves off. I think God would look at us and say, here in the age of grace when I've given you my son, and I've given so much, and I fill you with my Holy Spirit, and I bless you with so many things, and you take this opportunity to give so much less than Old Testament believers did. It's a weird thing. But I think this promise, this test that he's offering, I think it would still be in effect today. If you would actually get serious about giving, God would get serious about blessing. And I wonder sometimes if we're missing one because we're scrimping on the other. 
These are just some ways that our, our stealing is robbing us. It's one of the big ten because it undermines this way. But I want to tell, I, 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 here's how I want to show us that we can be faithful to this command. A, a few positive things before we leave. Number one, I think the New Testament would say to us, be thankful for everything you have and learn to be content with what you have. That's 1 Timothy 6, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Godliness is not a means to financial gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. If you can be holy and righteous, you know, and be obedient to God and learn to be content with whatever you have, you know there's two ways to get rich. One is to make lots of money and don't spend all of it. The second one is eliminate more wants. If you will lower the number of wants that you have, what you already have will grow larger. So which way is the easiest or best way for people to get rich? It seems to me if you want to get rich, you just work yourself to death, or maybe you just eliminate some of your hefty want list and get content with what you already have. I've said this before, I'll say this a hundred times in my uh, lifetime, is, is before you go home from going through all those neighborhoods, look at all those nice houses you wish you could live in, go through the other neighborhoods too. Make that your last stop. Go through the other neighborhoods too. And see those that have so much less than you. Second is, work with your own hands and mind your own business. That's what God says. Work with your own hands. Understand and teach that God has designed a system into the world uh, for how to provide for ourselves. It's work with your own hands and, and earn with your own effort and then acquire by what you earn. And if you cannot work... Replace that effort with something that's constructive and benefits others just as well. Prayer and service. If you're a person who I just can't work anymore, you do not sit around and just think about your own life, watching your own TV, eating your own TV dinner, right? You also spend time thinking and serving others through prayer and service. Third, share. Be generous in giving to others. That's what Ephesians 4 says. Work with your own hands that you may have something to share with those in need. And when the opportunity arises within your sphere of influence, help other people. Fourth would be trust God in every way. Trust his provision, what he gives you. Trust his timing of that provision and trust his ways for how you are to live. I know it's very tempting to go and gamble a lot in order to win a lot of money at one time and not have to work for it. I know that that's tempting. But I think God built into the whole realm of the world this work ethic to say that that's not the way God wants you to do it. He wants you to work at it every day, engage in something constructive. And finally, the heart of a lot of it, because of our close proximity with other people, what gives us this sense of covetousness and jealousy and stealing is that we live so close to other people who get to live at a higher standard because they make more. Because we live in a culture where some people have a lot, we often look at what all they have and make this incredible wish list in our head of we want that same thing. We live in close proximity with lots of people. And so here's what we've got to learn to do in this. We need to do, learn to rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's rejoice with those who have lots of things. Great! 
great, I'm happy for you. I'm glad I don't have that big house because I hate stairs and I don't want to clean all of that. Just figure out something that helps you rejoice and be happy with other people instead of being jealous and tempted to envy and steal. There's more to stealing than just taking what belongs to somebody else. It says more about you than what you think, and it involves more than just the item that you want. You're violating so many timeless principles that God has communicated. And the person hurt most in the long run is you. So don't steal. Work. Serve. Be faithful to a God who promises to take care of you. And let the rest happen as it does. That's what God's trying to get us to see in this commandment. I don't reckon we have just a whole lot of people who are going to run forward and say, I've been stealing stuff. I don't think we're going to have that. I'm just going to say to you, if there's anyone who needs any kind of response tonight, something's amiss in their life, they've done something wrong, you've done something wrong, and you need to confess it and get this thing right. Don't steal yourself of a chance. Here you go, right? Here's how I'm going to curve it around. Don't rob yourself of a chance to make things right before you leave tonight. Don't. Make things right as we stand and sing to encourage you.